All right, good morning, everybody. This morning we're going to be in Leviticus chapters 4, 5, and 6. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, chapters 4, 5, and 6. And don't laugh at my shirt. It's Memorial Day. This is official cabana wear, okay? Every Calvary Chapel pastor must own one of these. It's required. It's in the bylaws, so. Today at uh, 3 o'clock, we're going to be doing sports at, do we know where we're, Anna, is she gone? Uh, I think we're going to Beal, so whatever, sports, could be anything. So be prepared for anything. Cleats, tennis shoes, I mean, we don't even know. It's that exciting. So this, today, 3 o'clock, meet at Beal Park, and uh, the kids and, and anybody that can keep up with them will be doing some kind of activity. Uh, also, sign up for the kids camp is back there. Um, if you need a registration form, fill that out. Get that in as fast as you can so we can kind of get a head count on kids and how many cabins we're going to need and counselors and then also for helpers. Uh, if you want to come out that week and help in any way, um, whether that's for all three days or four days about, um, or just set up or tear down or whatever you can do, just sign up. There's a, there's a place for you. We've got something for you to do. Uh, that'll be July 5th through the 9th-ish. We get done at 10.30 or 10 o'clock on Saturday, so um, that's what's going on. All right, Leviticus. You know, we sang some songs this morning about truth um, and knowing the truth. And the Old Testament, as we go through Leviticus and, and, and Exodus and Genesis and on through Numbers and, and so on, Deuteronomy, um, it's complicated. And it was complicated on purpose, um, I think that's what you have to appreciate about Christ, um, the simplicity of Christ, the simplicity of the gospel, um, and what he replaced. Because this is what he replaced. Everything we've been reading, everything we've gone over so far, he replaced. He's the new covenant. Um, This is the old covenant. This is the old way. This is how you have to do it. And the reason they had to do it this way and be so complicated was to remind people of their sin, to keep it on the forefront of their mind. There had to be some action taken. They couldn't just say, eh, And go on with their lives. They had to do something about it to keep their right relationship with God. And so it's constant. There was a constant attention to their sin, to their missing the mark, which is what sin means. And so as we go through that, keep that in mind. Now, we're not going to read every single verse here as we go through 4, 5, and 6. I do want to highlight it. Um, I've done that before in the past. but a lot of it is redundant. A lot of it, you know what they're going to do with the sacrifice. We know the two kidneys. We know the offal. We know the fatty lobe. We know all that stuff. And so I'm going to skip those parts. Read them on your own, by all means. But for the sake of getting through three chapters this morning, I want to sum up, if I can. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, and does any of them, if the anointed priest sins, bring, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for this sin which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, lay his hands on the bull's head and kill it, or kill the bull before the Lord. So the first offering here is a sin offering. A sin offering. We've been going through the offerings we've had 
uh, three so far, I believe. We've got the burnt offering, we've got the grain offering, the peace offering. This is the sin offering. Sin is not meaning to transgress, meaning to, you know, an infraction against God or people. It's, it's an unintentional, oh, missing the mark. You've aimed for the target, you tried, you were aiming for the bullseye, but you missed. That's truly what the word sin means. When they would shoot towards their target and the arrow would miss its mark, they would say sin. You missed the mark. God's got a really tiny bullseye for holiness. And we understand that. I think we're all very aware of that. That's why we're here. That's why we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. A very small bullseye. And it's not, it's not hard to miss that mark. In fact, it's almost impossible for any of us without Christ or without the help of the Holy Spirit to hit that mark. So in my life, I constantly hear that word echoing in my mind, sin, sin. Well, my spirit was willing, but my flesh was weak, you know. I wanted to. I wanted to have my quiet time. I wanted to, you know, be nice. I I didn't want to blow my top. I knew I, I have an anger thing, and so I went into the cell phone place, and I knew right away that I needed to keep cool and keep calm, but there it went. Sin, you missed the mark. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak unfortunately. And so when they would do that, when they would unintentionally sin, when it wasn't intentional, they didn't say, you know what, I don't care what God's word says, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to wring that guy's neck at the cell phone company. If you work for a cell phone company, I'm sorry. Usually it's used car salesmen we pick on, but cell phones, I guess, is the thing today. No, this is unintentional. And it costs It costs. It costs a young bull. That's expensive. I don't know if any of you are ranchers. Some of you are. Some of you aren't. Some of you raise dogs. It would cost you maybe three dogs or something, or it would cost you uh, whatever you do for a living. Um, It costs. And it was meant to. Sometimes you can't get to somebody's heart until you touch their wallet, unfortunately. You can't get their attention until you do that. I I have that problem at my other job. Sometimes I just have to go out and do concentrator checks, oxygen. I just got to check your machine, ma'am. Well, it's not convenient, okay? Um, It has to be done in order for Medicare to keep paying for your machine. Oh, well, then come right out. Okay, there you go. And I don't mean to be that way, but it's like, I got to get in there and do this or we're in trouble, you know? I'm sorry it's inconvenient. Let's set up a time when it's convenient for you. Any time this week. But until you mention that they might have to pay for something, they don't let you in the door sometimes. And unfortunately with us, that's what God's doing here. Think about it before you blow your top when you go to the cell phone company. It's going to cost you a bull. It's going to cost you. It's going to touch your wallet. Mm. Unfortunately, through selfish motivation, then you decide to maybe tone it down a little bit, as opposed to just because you want to be a great person in this world, because you want to be above your own problems and your own expectations, because you, you know, you have to, you have to be told it's going to cost you a bull. So you do it. And so they did it. But when you do blow it, when you miss the mark, when you sin unintentionally, bring a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. And so that's what they would do here in chapter four. Now, later on in verse 11, But the bulls hide. So they do the normal thing, the fatty lobe, the kidneys, everything we've discussed before. You can read it in detail if you don't know what I'm talking about and you've never read Leviticus. They have certain portions. But it says, because the bull's gigantic, okay, 
But the bull's hide and all its flesh, with its head and its legs, its entrails and offal, uh, the whole bull shall be carried outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out. We'll learn about that later. And burn it on wood with fire where the ashes are poured out, it shall be burned. That gets burned outside of the camp. We'll discuss that when we get to where it's, it's later on in, another, in, in chapter 6. They take the ashes outside. This has to be burned outside the camp. The sin offering gets burned outside the camp. Now, there's probably some practicality to this. That's a lot of, that takes a long time. I, I try not to, I have to be very careful about this because I have a tendency to do this. I don't want to belittle what's happening here. Um, but part of me wants to really ingrain it in our minds what this is like. Um, what this smell would be like, what this looks like, because none of us have any experience with this, except, so please forgive me, a grill or a barbecue. I mean, honestly, that's what this is. It's a gigantic grill or barbecue where they throw the whole thing on there, and it burns, and the smoke ascends. Now, they don't get it. It just keeps going until it turns to ash. They pull out the ash train. They throw it. And the reason I bring that up is because sometimes when you go on walks, you smell that cooking, and you think... Someone's grilling, and you can tell the difference between propane and charcoal. It's just, it's something about that. And now I'm trying to say reverent here. I want to be very respectful of what's happening here. But it is a sweet aroma. It is pleasing. And now the reason I just made that connection, hopefully, this morning is so that the next time you go on a walk, the next time you smell that, you might think about the sacrifices back then. That's what we do for the kids all the time. We try to bring in an, uh, an, uh, uh, an object lesson that will always remind them of the Scripture verse. It just is easier that way, and it helps them not only memorize the verse, but understand what it means. That's so much more important. So when you smell that smell of that burning flesh on someone's grill someplace, think about this. This was 20, well, all day long at the temple that camp would have that smell going up. That's all day long they would do this. Now when it comes to the bull, instead of laying this whole thing out and waiting for it to completely get consumed, they would do this outside the camp. Imagine out of a million people camped, tented around this tabernacle, 120 come with young bull, goat, you know, bull sacrifices. Okay, so there's some practicality there. Let's get outside the camp. We'll do that out there. Goats, pigeons, turtle doves, things like that we can do inside the camp, but this one's going to be outside the camp. Okay, I've uh, hopefully explained that enough. But that's the idea. It's going to cost you a young bull. Now, verse 13, the next one. That's if the person sins. This next sin offering, the first one was, in de- was individual. The next one is, now, if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally. This is a different sin offering. They, it says in verse 14, offer a young bull for their sin. So the whole congregation, uh, I was trying to think of an example of that. That would be like um, unintentionally, um, maybe like what David did when he made arrangements with, with the Gibeonites you know, uh, when they pretended like they were from a faraway country. They intended to follow God's rule in evicting everybody in the land, but the Gibeonites came in and tricked him, uh, Joshua, I said David, tricked Joshua into believing that they were from a faraway country and they did it. That was an unintentional sin, but they would have to offer up a sacrifice like this for that situation. We didn't mean to, but we did. We missed the mark as a nation. And the nation as a whole has to have, so this is important, 
Not only does an individual have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but if a nation wants to succeed, it has to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm moving into the new covenant, if you understand. It's not enough to have individuals. The nation has to understand that. For the sake of the remnant that is in that country that does believe on Jesus Christ, but for the most part, they've gone away from the Lord, there is some protection there, but not like it was. And I say that for our country. We have to be very careful how far we go as far as kicking God out of our nation. That's individual. That's fine. And you'll hear that all the time. That's truth for you. That's great for you. But let us live. No, no, no. As a nation, if we want God's protection, we need to have it as a nation. That's so important. And so the nation of Israel is is held accountable for that. You need to have a relationship with me. I'm not going to have that side of the camp worshiping me and that side of the camp worshiping Moloch and that side of the camp worshiping Allah. Not going to happen. The whole nation needs to be following the Lord. And so that's the offering for them. Now, verse 22, when a ruler has sinned, so now they move to leadership or Congress, Senate, mayors, uh, you know, governors, all these folks. When a ruler sins and, sinned and, uh, and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord his God in anything which should not be done and is guilty, or if his sin which has been committed comes to his knowledge, he, brings, he shall bring uh, as his offering a kid of goats, a male. So these rulers have to bring this male goat. Um, to do the same thing, and they go through the same process, and it shall be forgiven him, it says at the end. Verse 27, if any one of the common people, now I don't know the difference between the first one of the individuals and the common people, maybe it's uh, um, civil servants almost, you know, uh, as opposed to uh, private citizens, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, Um, you you could probably teach me on that, I don't know. but it's similar, except it's a female goat for them. Um, unintentional, uh, missing of the mark, the, the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak moment. You guys need to offer up a kid of goats also. And then finally in verse 32, um, if uh, he brings a lamb instead of a goat um, uh, as a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. So you had an option between goats and lambs. You didn't have to sell them. I bring that up, and you're like, okay, goats, lamb, you're losing me. I'm, I'm really not that interested. Well, when Jesus flipped the tables in the temple, it's because that's where the exchange took place. What the people were bringing wasn't accepted by the priests because they kind of had a racket going at the time where you can't bring in Roman coin into the temple. You had exchanged the Roman coin for temple coin. And, of course, the exchange rate was horrible because they had a racket going. It's like maybe, you know, 75 cents on the dollar kind of thing. You bring in a dollar, we'll give you 75 cents worth of temple coin, or worse yet, who knows. They would do the same thing with the animal sacrifices. If they were found with any kind of blemish, well, this white goat has a black hair. And they would do that. It's not acceptable to the Lord. But we have some pre-approved goats for sale for you today. I mean, bad So Jesus walks into that place, which was the court of the Gentiles, where there's supposed to be quiet prayer going on for all those outside of the Israel Israel nation. They could come and worship God too. Flips those tables over. He wasn't happy with any of it, not just the location, any of it. Do not get in between me and my people. 
was the problem. You are in the way. Get out of the way. That's why the veil was ripped from top to bottom. I don't want any of you people in the way of my people coming to me. That's what I'm here to do. So when you see these options going on here in the Old Testament, goats, a goat herder didn't have to say, oh, it's supposed to be a sheep offering. I don't have one. So you go to the sheep guy, and the sheep guy's going, what do you give me for it? You know, so there's no, no, you bring a sheep. If you've got sheep, great. If you've got goats, great. If you don't have those things, he's going to go on to turtle doves or anything like that. He gives us options, even back then, even when it was so complicated, because he doesn't want us not coming because we didn't think we had the right sacrifice. Today we have a different kind of sacrifice. We don't sacrifice animals. I'm kind of glad. I mean, we do, but we eat them. Again, the barbecue. Not a sacrifice to God at all. What we do now have is a sacrifice of praise. Bring a sacrifice of praise. And to be honest with you, some of you have young bulls. Some of us have turtle doves when we bring our voices to God. But God accepts both. And he wants both. I make a joyful noise to the Lord. Good, then make that noise. You know, I, and in other words, other people can sing amazing, and we give them microphones. You know, uh, the rest of us just we do our best, and God loves it equally. It's equally blessing. It, it, it's equal. That sacrifice of praise is amazing. You know, a toddler who's two years old who says thanks to mom has about two words is all, whereas a teenager who's grateful for something has a lot more words, but both mean the same to the parent. Hey, you know, gratitude, thanksgiving, I love that, you know. I'll accept it. I don't think any of them are less valuable. You just, it's in capacity. You met your capacity. That's awesome. And that's the idea behind these sacrifices, giving of the capacity that you have. So sing to the Lord. Give that sacrifice of praise to God. And there's others, but that's one I want to hit on. Chapter 5. If a person sins in hearing the utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears the guilt. In other words, this is a different kind of offering. This is a trespass offering. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I don't do it. There's two kinds of sins missing the mark. There is the sin of commit it, and then there's the sin of omission. I don't do it. I know it's right and pleasing to God for me to give a cold glass of water to those in need, and I don't do it. That's a sin. Or the other way around. You know, I... Uh, I'm at a loss for an example, but tripping somebody, I don't know. You know, it's, that's a sin too. Doing something to somebody and not doing something that you're supposed to do is equal. These are trespass offerings. You know what you're supposed to do and you don't do it. Verse 2, or if a person touches any, listen to these things. If a person touches any unclean thing, whether it is uh, the carcass of an unclean beast or the carcass of an unclean livestock or the carcass of an unclean creeping thing, and he is unaware of it, he also shall be unclean and guilty. Or if he touches human uncleanness, whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty. Or if a person swears, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips, to do evil or to do good, either way, whatever it is that a man may pronounce by an oath, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. 
And it shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his sacrifice offering to the Lord for his sin, which he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb, or a kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. Atonement means at one with him. That's a good way to remember that, at one with him. You're at one with God again. If he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring it to the Lord for his trespass, uh, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespass, which he has committed, two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. And he does that and they do that and they explain how they're going to do it. And it says there at the end of verse 10, and they shall be forgiven. There's that grouping together of all the different sacrifices you could bring, but bring something. Don't disregard that sin. It's not okay. It doesn't just go away. You can't do something good to outweigh the bad. You still should do something good, but to outweigh the bad, you must provide that sacrifice. That's the whole point. This is all a foreshadowing, again, of Jesus Christ and what he would do on the cross, that although you may be more good than you are bad, bad still has to have the sacrifice. I think that's the biggest difficulty in our part of the country on ministering the gospel to people who are mostly good. Farmers that have been farming faithfully for 30 years or more once in a while lose their temper, once in a while said a harsh word, once in a while done that thing, but for the most part they've been a really good person, upstanding citizen, a great friend. And try to explain to them that they're in desperate need of Jesus Christ because they're in they're going to hell, doesn't compute a lot of times with people. But I'm mostly good. It's never been a scale. It's never been, have you done more good than you've done bad? That isn't God's way. That isn't our way in our justice system. Nobody comes before the judge and says, I killed one person, but I've let everybody else I've ever seen live. That doesn't work. No, you have to pay for the offense. The offense offense has to be covered. It has to be paid for. Jesus Christ died for all those who committed all the horrible sins for the most of their lives and also paid for those that have sinned occasionally, that have missed the mark. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are destined for hell without the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. So he's given us lots of options. Please bring something. And this is a trespass offering. I know that I'm not supposed to be here. I know that I'm in the wrong place. I know I'm not doing something that I should be doing. I know I am doing something that I shouldn't be doing. That's what this encompasses. This is its scope. But you can bring two turtledoves and two pigeons. Does anybody remember what, at Jesus' dedication, what Mary and Joseph brought? Two turtle doves. That's what they had. Tells you something about their, at that time. Now, how old was he? That was at eight days, right? So when did the wise men come with the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh? When he's a young child, after his dedication, after his circumcision. That's when they had enough money to go to Egypt to take off, you know. Um, Anyway, it's interesting. They used that. They were poor. Joseph is a good man. Mary was an amazing woman, but... Not wealthy. Not wealthy. So, God made a way. He knew that his son, when it was his day to, get sac- to, to, to have the sacrifice made, I mean, think about that. When he's writing this, he knew that. 
Now, when my son goes down there to die on the cross for their sins, he's going to come as a baby, and eight days later, they're not going to have a penny between them, but they're going to have a couple turtle doves. I make a way. Jesus didn't come with a young bull. He didn't come with the, the highest level that we would say of sacrifice. He came with what he had, you know, such an example for us, such a good example for us, even in that. Jesus came for the poor. He came for the sick. He came for the wealthy, and he came for the healthy too, but they had a hard time receiving him for the most part. But the poor and the sick, they could identify with him. They knew him. He was them, you know. Verse 14, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as a trespass offering a ram without blemish from the flocks, with your valuation in shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary as a trespass offering. They've added something here. You must make restitution. Yes, we're going to sacrifice and cover the sin. Sorry, God. Fine. But you must make restitution for that person or to God. That's part of it. We've got to make it up. It doesn't do any good to go up to your neighbor and say, Sorry, my tree limb fell in your car. <laughs> No, I'm glad you're sorry. I'm sorry too, and, and I accept that. Of course, no, who, could have, who could have planned something like that? It's just a trespass sin. No big deal. It's been hanging there for 20 years. I told you 10 years ago to cut it down, but you didn't. And, but I'm not going to bring that up at this time. But there it is on top of my new truck or my new car. No, there has to be restitution, obviously. You've got to pay for that car also. Sorry is good and important and valuable, but he even says that in the New Testament. When you bring your sacrifice to the Lord and you know you've got something against your neighbor, your neighbor has something against you, go get it right first. Make restitution. Then come. Saying sorry to me is fine, but there's a person involved here that needs to be righted and, and corrected or, hel- or, or you know, um, they need to have the opportunity to give you forgiveness and so on. So, that's what this is. Bring your sacrifice, but bring the valuation of it also. Um, and he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing and shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest. So you, so, so you got a $30,000 trunk truck, add 20%. That, then you'd be cutting your limbs down, wouldn't you, when they asked you to? The whole idea of this is, is preventative. Okay, if it happens, great. 20% on top of the cost or the valuation of the thing that got ruined. But that is also meant to teach us a lesson. I better watch my limbs from now on. It isn't okay. My laziness or my inaction against what my neighbor's concern was is now my problem, and it cost me 20%, where if I cut it down to begin with, I'd still have all that in my pocket. So there's some preventative Measures going on here. If a person sins and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring to the priests a ram without blemish from the flocks with your valuation of the trespass offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it, and it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. The next section is now against people. There must be restitution against people. This is against God. That first section, 14 through 19, is against God. The first four commandments, 
are for God. The last six commandments are for people. They were divided into two stones. This was God's side. This is the people's side. Four for him, six for us. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, when Jesus was asked what are the two greatest, or what's the greatest commandment, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two commandments. Chapter 6. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge, or about uh, a robbery, or uh, if he has extorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely, in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore what uh, he has stolen, or the thing which he has extorted, or what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he, uh, which he found, or all uh, that about which he uh, has sworn falsely, he shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring the trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish. And uh, he goes on to describe that that'll be an atonement for his sins. 20%. Got to add 20% for people as well. Um, it causes people to be careful with their vows, be careful with what they do. Keeps people honest is the idea. It's sad that we have to be kept honest. It should come out of our hearts, and that's what the New Testament's all about. That's what the New Covenant's all about. I'm not going to write my law on stony tablets, but on fleshy hearts. I'm not going to be an external force upon you. I'm going to be an internal force. I'm going to be the Holy Spirit's going to dwell in you. And that's our conscience. That's our conviction that we feel from God. I'm not going to let you get by with sin anymore. You're going to feel that, and then you need to respond to that conviction. As if someone was pointing the finger at you. Need to restore and make things right. I do want people to have such confidence in the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus as the complete perfect sacrifice to take it for granted in one aspect, but never to the point where we forget what he's done. That we overlook our sin and think nothing of it because I'm sure Jesus' blood will cover over that. We sing songs about the cross. We sing songs about the blood of Jesus to remind ourselves in this sacrifice of praise that we don't have to kill bloody goats and bloody bulls and bloody sheep anymore. What we have now is a bloody Savior who's been risen from the dead and accepted sacrifice on our behalf, a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. And it's because of his work at the cross that saves me from my transgressions, my trespasses, and my missing the mark, my sin. He covers all that, to remind ourselves of that constantly. Not to be wallowing in guilt. We're not supposed to wallow in guilt. We're not to be condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But very aware that it's because of my simplest sins to my greatest sins that caused Jesus to die on the cross. Whether that's gossip or whether that's murder, both needed the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. 
And so we don't have this everlasting reminder of the smoke ascending from the tabernacle in the center of the camp with constant people, lines of people with sacrifices for their sin that day. And so we have to trust that the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding us every day, even in that conviction, even in that. Um, He doesn't have to touch our wallets anymore. It should be there. We should be reminded of that. It should keep us pure. Looking at the cross, reminding, reminding ourselves of the cross, reminds us that we're not being who we were made to be when we sin. We need to imitate Christ. Now, the laws of burnt offerings and the laws of grain offerings and the laws of sin offerings. Let's run over those really quickly here. These are the details that the priests must understand about these. Concerning the burnt offering, starting in verse 10, and the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers, he shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar. This is the maintenance deal. What do we do with all the ashes that are left over? Most of it burns away, but we have this residue. And he shall put them beside the altar then, so once you, t- you have to be in your full regalia when you pull out this tray and put it in whatever they're going to carry it to beside the altar when they empty that tray of ashes. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place, and that's where they dump them or lay them, if you want to be more respectful of it. They would lay them there. Now, that's how you take care of the burnt offerings. The second thing is the law of grain offerings. And we've gone over that a little bit, but this is where we get that hint and that clue that the priests get to eat of it. When we studied it last week, we understood that their portions of it were given to the Lord and portions of it were kept back. Here's where he tells us it was actually going to be the bread for the priests. It was actually the provision. God would provide through the sacrifice for them. It says in the remainder, in verse 16, and the remainder of it, this, this bread offering, this grain offering... Uh, for Aaron and his sons shall eat with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in a holy place in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. No sin. Remember, leaven represents sin. It has to be you know perfect. I have given it as their portion of my offering made by fire. It is most holy, like the sin offering and the trespass offering. This is a big deal when the priests get to partake in someone's sacrifice that they'd offer up to God for their sins. This puts a new light on the communion that we have. When we have that little cup of juice and we have that little bread and we think about Jesus breaking that bread and saying, I want you to eat this with me. I want you to drink this with me. This is our portion. In Revelation, he calls us that. As Christians, we're kings and priests of God. There's a whole thing there. I mean, you can do a whole Bible study on that. I won't this morning, but that's the idea behind these priests partaking in this sin offering that someone else has brought, this grain offering, they get to eat of it also, just like God does. So, so likewise, he wants us to participate in that. It's just symbolic. There's nothing happening when you eat that bread or you drink that cup except this. You're receiving just like he received. That means we give out just like he gave out. In other words, the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that our Jesus Christ gives to us also should be coming out of us towards others. It's supposed to be there. He considers us, in a sense, friends. He says that of us. We're co-laborers with Christ, which is amazing. 
And so he says, I showed you what this looks like. I'm even letting you have some of the bread. I'm even letting you partake in the sacrifice that other people come. When they try to get right with you, when they try to make it right with you, please do what I do. Offer forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Put their minds at ease. Free them from those shackles of guilt and shame like I do. I want you to do that. It may give us some insight as to what he meant by if any sin is forgiven them, by you it will be forgiven. He's not giving them the power of absolution. That's, that's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is, I want you to participate. Like, I, like what I do, I want you to do also. So, there's that offering. Now, the, the last one is the law of the sin offering. Verse 26, the priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. You get to partake in that as well. When you're done boiling or whatever you're doing with that meat, he says in verse 28, but the earthen vessel in which it was boiled shall be broken. This is the potter's field. Do you remember where Judas hung himself? It was in the potter's field. Do you remember where, uh, well, that's it. His entrails broke open and all that. and That was the, the place of the burial for the stranger or for the poor was in this potter's field. That's what this is. These earthen vessels couldn't be clean. They're porous. There's no way to make them sterile again. So they would take these earthen vessels when they're done with them and smash them outside so they could never be used again in this potter's field. Now, the bronze pots that they would use occasionally, those could be scoured and rinsed with water. Those could be washed. All the males among the priests may eat it, it is most holy, but no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in uh, the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burned in the fire. And that's what we close this morning. Three different kinds of sins. Sin, trespass, and iniquities. All covered. Five books written about this complicated sacrificial system that God wanted on the forefront of everybody's mind constantly, all summed up. In Christ, he fulfilled all of it. We should be thankful for that. Thank goodness we don't have this complicated way. Isn't it funny, though, how we complicate things? We're in the New Testament. We have the new covenant. It's supposed to be the simplicity of the gospel, a simple walk with Jesus, so simple that a child should be able to understand it. And we need to become like that child, and yet we complicate it so much because we, I don't know what it is about us. We love difficult things, I guess. Puzzles, challenges, you know. Now, what do I need to do to get forgiveness from God? Well, it's complicated. You need to trust in Jesus. Okay, what does that mean? And then we write books and volumes of books about what it means. No, it just means you need to believe him at his word. He says he forgives you, that he died on the cross for your sins. You just need to believe that. What does believe mean? I don't know. Uh, you think it's right. I don't know. How, how, do you, how do you get that word any more boiled down than what it is? Believe. What do you mean by forgive? Do I have to forgive everybody? Well, did Jesus forgive everybody? Yeah. He died on the cross for the sins of the world. Then I guess the answer is yes. And then we come up with scenarios. What if they do this and they don't ask for That was my first question when I got saved. What if they don't ask me forgiveness? Am I required to forgive them? Don't they have to ask me first? And my friend just looked at me, Brian Spafford, he just shook his head. I'm like, okay. That's all he did. That's, that's, that was most of my, when he brought me to the Lord, that's most of the conversation was me asking dumb questions and Brian Spafford just shaking his head at me going, you're an idiot. 
I am. It's simple. Jesus is simple. Comprehensive, fulfilling, but uncomplicated. Okay? The world needs to know that. The world needs to know everything you can tell them about Jesus. And I guess what? You know everything you need to know about Jesus to tell them about Jesus. You need to believe on him for salvation. Trust him. That's it. That's how we share. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for writing all this down. And Lord, as we go through Leviticus and then on through the rest of the Pentateuch, God, uh, all the way through the Old Testament, God, help us to be so thankful for all that you've done for us. How simple it is now. Uh, How comprehensive, how complete your sacrifice was on the cross that we would appreciate the beauty um, of it um, and your love for us, God. How deep that Father's love is for us. It's so deep. It's so amazing that it can cover up. And all of that Old Testament, God, none of it took away our sins. All of it just temporarily covered it with all that complicated mess designed by you, ordained by you, It wasn't complete. It didn't satisfy. It was only temporary. But your son, dying on the cross for our sins, was complete and perfect. Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. We give you the sacrifice of praise. And um, Lord, help us to live that way then. From love. You've showed us so much love. You sacrificed so much for us that you died on the cross for our sins. While we were your enemies, our response doesn't have to be blood of bulls and goats and sheep. It's a sacrifice of a life lived for you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.